Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you all for sticking around for the second episode and listening. Um, First, I just want to say thank you all for your support on the first episode. I had over 150 listens, and that is just bizarre to me. I didn't even think 150 people were going to open the link. (laughs) But thank you all so much for listening, and I really hope that I can provide you all with something you actually want to listen to. Um, just to give a little bit of background on me, um, my name is Kiana. That's my real name. Kiwi is not my real name. Uh, My name's Kiana. I am from Sacramento, California. I am currently in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I play softball at UNC. I'm an outfielder. Um, I'm a sophomore here. I love it here. I would not change it for the world. Um, But yeah, I have two brothers. One is a year older than me. His name's Elijah. And one is a year younger than me. His name's Josiah. Um, Me, my brothers, and my mom. That's us. That's my family. Um, But yeah, this first episode, I think I was really focused on the Q&A. But now I really want to try and be vulnerable. So first, let me just tell you guys why I'm doing this. I never do anything without a reason. Um, but honestly, this reason isn't for you guys necessarily. This reason's more for me. I have a really hard time being vulnerable with people and sharing things about my life that's hard. Um, that's one of my biggest character flaws, I would say, is that I have a hard time opening up and a hard time telling people things about me that really explain why I am the way I am and why I do things the way I do. Um, so to try and get better at that, this was my solution. Uh, I want to try to talk things out on my own, and I think it's good for people to hear my story also. I have a lot of things I've had to go through and a lot of hard stuff, and so I think Hopefully that this podcast will help me be more comfortable being vulnerable because in all honesty, not being able to see the people that are listening and like not having to look anybody in the eyes when I'm telling them hard things actually makes it easier. So that's the plan. That's what I'm doing. Um, With this episode, I want to just focus on like my first year at college and kind of like the ups and downs of that like how that all went down and stuff um probably gonna tie in a lot of things obviously I'm not gonna get like too too deep because okay we'll get a little deep but like honest the first fall wasn't a lot of baggage I guess not a lot of baggage came with my fall semester but in spring things got interesting so I guess um we'll cross that bridge when we get there let's start I was supposed to go to summer school here before semester, the fall semester. I was supposed to come in summer, um, but because of COVID, that didn't happen. So I stayed home, and I honestly didn't do anything. Uh, I, I worked out, practiced, I helped um, coach a team, but I didn't play that summer, which I think was actually really good for me because um, – the way things ended with some of the girls on my travel ball team made that situation a little hard. 
So I was really comfortable like not playing. It was fine with me. I wasn't um, heartbroken <laughs> to say the least. But um, yeah, so I left home and the first week of August, I think I got here like August 10th, maybe. That sounds about right. August 10th, uh, me and my mom flew out and oh, and my Uncle Jesse, we flew out to move me in. Um, it wasn't too hard, honestly. Um, cried my eyes out like a baby saying goodbye to my brothers, but like that was the hardest thing I had to do. Saying bye to my mom was really hard too, just because we're really close. But like I knew she would call and I knew she'd come visit and stuff, so that was okay. Um, I would say about three weeks in, I hit this like really down point. I uh was really missing home, really missing my family, and with COVID and everything, um. Things got crazy. I actually moved off campus and moved into an apartment with two of my teammates. And that was quite the adventure. I mean, things were just all up in the air. Things were crazy. But it was fun. Like, I would say, like, fall semester was really fun. Um, I got to learn about myself and um, kind of experience college life. Dad saw ball, like, get um, acclimated into that. So, yeah. Uh, I think I'm just going to brush over fall semester because it wasn't that serious. It wasn't that crazy. Um, I came home for Christmas. Actually, I came home for Thanksgiving. I came home the day before Thanksgiving. Um, and I was home from Thanksgiving all the way through New Year's. I flew back home. Not back home. I flew back to Chapel Hill January 12th. So I was home for like two months. Uh, and things were good. Um, it wasn't anything crazy had Thanksgiving with family, Christmas with family, like it was normal, normal life. Um, and then we woke up on January 3rd, I think it was. Um, maybe it was the second. <laughs> I honestly, I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, basically like the day after New Year's, uh, woke up to a call from one of my dad's friends that we knew when we were younger and um we were told that my dad had passed away and if you know anything about my family you know that my relationship with my dad was very hard um, my parents got divorced when I was in seventh grade, which is fine. Like, I don't think the divorce, honestly, is what made it hard. Like, okay, okay, let me backtrack. Yes, that was hard, and that was a hard thing to deal with and, like, process and stuff, but my relationship with my dad was hard even before that. Um, growing up, my dad was very prideful on the fact that, like, the pierces were supposed to be perfect, and even though a lot of people saw me as like daddy's little girl i actually was i was kind of scared of my dad like if i'm going to be honest with you i was kind of terrified of him um to the public eye my dad was great and i loved my dad when he was in public he was nice he was fun he cared about people he helped people um, 
behind closed doors, that's not really how he was. He was scary. Um, on the softball field, he was intense and he was um, overbearing. Uh, my dad and I had a really interesting relationship on the field. I actually was about to quit because I couldn't take the pressure that came with playing for Rich Pierce. He was overbearing to the point where like I was in counseling for three years because I just didn't know how to deal with the anxiety of not being good enough ever. Like I was I was pretty, I was skinny, I was fast, I was athletic, I never got a B in my life, I never messed up, I never got in trouble at school. I pulled a card once in first grade because I talked too much surprisingly <laughs> duh um but like I never got in trouble I never messed up and I think it was like this this like underlying like unspoken rule that like I wasn't allowed to mess up in Rich Pierce's eyes I was supposed to be like the the best thing that happened to him and I was he it was almost kind of like he was living through me but not also because like Obviously, he's a guy, so, like, that's weird. But, like, my dad expected so much of me that I didn't know how to cope with it. Um, so I did. I went to counseling for probably, like, two to three years um, to try and deal with it. And then um, after I had, I had a major spinal fusion surgery when I was in seventh grade. Um, was I in seventh grade? I, I think. Um, and had to take a year off softball. I wasn't allowed to play for a year. And so that was kind of like my saving grace, I would say. Um, because I finally felt strong enough to tell him, like, one, I can't have you coach me anymore because I'm not going to survive on the field if you do. But also, um, what made that even easier, so my parents got divorced and my dad gave up full custody. Um, so, okay, before I go any farther in this, I just want to say, like, I understand that some people listening to this knew Rich Pierce. I understand you knew him as somebody who was, like, a great guy. And I would like to say that I hope he was a great guy for you. And I hope that he was somebody who was positive in your life and was a great impact on your life. And like, he was, he was great. I, I do agree. He had his moments where he was great, but also like, that's your story and that's your truth. And I hope that by me explaining my truth, I hope one, that it doesn't mess up your view of him because that's not fair to you. But also I hope that like, you can be willing to understand that this is my truth and this is how things happened for me and like if it didn't happen for you that way that's okay but like this is me and like that's the whole point of this is that I can be vulnerable and talk about things that make me the way I am without having to worry about seeing your face your facial expressions change when I say something you don't like so if you don't like things I say you go ahead and turn this off honestly like you can go ahead and press stop turn it off you don't have to listen. 
Um, maybe you'll listen to the next episode, but like this one might be hard for you to listen to. But here it is. Um, so when my parents got divorced. My dad gave up full custody. No questions asked. He, um, he was in uh, boot camp at the time, training uh, for the Army. He was gone in Texas at the time. Um, but no questions asked. He didn't fight for us. He didn't, didn't want, um, didn't want any custody. And I understand that his reasoning was because he knew that we would be better off with our moms. Our moms. That was weird. My mom. He would, we would be better off with my mom. Um, but I think what he never understood was that we would have been okay having him in our life too like he wasn't the worst thing that could have happened to me and so I think the worst thing that happened was that he chose not to be around um uh being a 12 year old 11 year old kid and having to understand that the one guy in your life that was supposed to stick around and like supposed to be like you you know how it goes like your daddy's little girl and your dad's supposed to love you and be there for you through everything and like that's just how it's supposed to be to try and wrap your head around the fact that like that man in your life didn't want to be there for you or want to be around like that ruined me it also ruined softball for me in a way. Um, it changed like my whole outlook on the game because I kind of got in this like mindset that I was going to just prove him wrong and prove that I could do anything that he wanted us to do together without him. So I did. I mean, I here I am like I'm in North Carolina playing on a top D1 team that like like I'm doing it without him and I I mean okay <laughs> that sounds harsh without him in a different way now but without him but like to mentally get over the fact that like he didn't want me enough and I had always prided myself on like being good enough and being the best because that's what he wanted and that's what he asked for like I struggled a lot to deal with like how like where I went wrong you know and like why I wasn't good enough and maybe I needed to be prettier maybe I needed to be more athletic maybe I needed to be stronger I needed to try harder get better grades um which which is crazy because again like I never got to be in my life I never got in trouble I've always been pretty athletic. Like it, I, I didn't, it took me a long time to realize like I didn't mess up. and It's not something that I did. It was just like, that was the way my dad's brain worked. And that's what he thought was best for us kids. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But it just wasn't fair. So anyways, back to this year. Um, So when we found out my dad, passed away I I didn't I, I cried more than I have cried in my entire life 
like I remember sitting on my bed um and my uncle Jesse came over and he came and sat next to me and I was like I don't even know why I'm crying because like I despised this man for so many years it had been almost five years at that point since I had even spoken to my dad um probably around four that I had seen him I saw him at a football game one time uh watching my little brother's game I saw him in the top of the stands and hid from him the entire night because I was so scared of the manipulation he would bring if I interacted with him or how he would trap me back into that vicious cycle of like just utter anxiety and stress and I just it wasn't healthy and I had gone to a point where I understood it wasn't healthy I had made the decision that like my dad was not going to be the one to walk me down the aisle and he was not going to be the grandpa to my kids he he would be rich sure and if I got to that point but like he was not going to play that role in my life anymore because he hadn't earned it in my life he he didn't respect me enough to tell me why he did the things he did or even to ask to try and reconcile and i think that's where this like story branches off for other people is because again my dad was very good at making himself very great in the public eye and so like a lot of his family and a lot of the people that he spent his time around thought that my dad was reaching out like they thought my dad was trying everything and was showing up and doing all these things to like be in our lives let me break it down for you all he didn't he didn't come around he didn't text us he didn't try to he actually like in all honesty my dad had me blocked on social media for years i i didn't block him i had no problem with it i i would have let him follow me but he had me blocked people asked what my dad looked like and i had to pull up a picture on other people's phones because I couldn't access his account because I was blocked. Like that that doesn't make any sense. And as a kid, I mean it still doesn't make any sense, but like as a kid you're like how how much did I mess up? Like how bad did I have to be for him to completely just cut you out of your life, you know? And so it's like and I understand that he thought we were better off with our mom, but again, like it's just, it's so hard to like wrap my head around. Every day it's hard like to understand that like he just, he he didn't know how to be a dad. And I understand that now. But like that was so hard. And so when I found out he passed away, I didn't even know what to feel. Like I, I was sad. I was angry. I was I was just so many emotions. Um, there were so many emotions that like I couldn't even explain. Um, part of me was mad because I didn't ever get to tell him how I felt. So like I even still like um, I lack a lot of closure <clears throat> in that sense. Like I didn't ever get to tell him like how the things he did impacted us um so yeah so so that was hard and what was even harder was that I had to turn around and get on a plane in 10 days like literally 10 days I had to come back to school and 
do life like normal, like pretend like everything was all great and fine. So my team knew and my coaches knew about what happened. Um, I just didn't know how to deal with it. I remember like crying constantly. Like I would sit in my room and cry through class. Um, There's one practice I remember sitting there and I literally bawled my eyes out all practice. Didn't know why. Um, It wasn't until after practice I understood that like my relationship with softball was now so weird and because I can no longer play in spite of my dad to prove that I don't need him because even if he wanted to show up, he couldn't, you know, like even if he wanted to try to be involved, he couldn't because like he's no longer here. So I had to understand now like what my relationship with softball was and like like find a new why in a sense, not a new one, but like find find how to navigate my whys in a sense that like I wasn't I I need to start doing it for me more than I do it for my dad um so yeah I remember crying like through an entire practice and one of my coaches was like uh are you hurt and I was like no nothing's like nothing's hurting um she was like okay well go get a drink of water like take a minute um I just could not stop the tears from coming I was running the bases I was in the outfield literally just dripping tears from my face because that's and I just I just practiced I did it because I didn't know what to do didn't know how to stop um but yeah so it was hard and like then dealing with something like that emotionally heavy and mentally confusing and trying to also play the game at a top level had to be the most difficult thing ever um and I genuinely was not performing on the field like I, I wasn't playing. Every opportunity I got, I didn't perform. Um, I, I was at one point in the season I was zero and eighteen. And if you know my stats at all, um, through high school and travel ball, like I pride myself on my consistency. I've never had that bad of stats. And I remember calling my mom almost weekly, like, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to do like I I just I don't know where to go this is hard I can't do this and so my mom actually ended up coming out pretty early on in the spring to visit me because I was just having a really hard time and I just didn't know what to do with myself um she came out and visited kind of took a breather and like figured some things out um I finally went and talked to one of my hitting coach and I told her I was like look I understand that I have not performed and I understand that you don't as a coaching staff, like, it's hard for you to put the confidence in me that you can put me in a game and I'm going to do what you need me to do. I, I get it. I was like, but I just need a chance. And I'm going to work my butt off until you give me that chance. Because um, I don't sit the bench, like, in all honesty. I told, I told, I remember telling my mom, like, I don't sit the bench. I've never been, a, I don't, I don't do well on the bench. Like, I can, I, I can do it. Yes. Like, I can be a good teammate and I can cheer my team on and do what I need to do I understand like everybody has their role and if that is where my role is then that's where my role will be but I I expect more out of myself and maybe that's because of that nagging voice in the back of my head from Rich Pierce telling me that I need to be better um but hey sometimes that voice is nice so um I knew I needed to do better um and then one night actually it wasn't even one night I took a nap um 
So, okay, before I start this story, I don't usually have dreams. Like, I don't dream very often, which is fine. Like, I dreams really freak me out. Um, I think I get haunted in my dreams, in all honesty. So, one night, or one afternoon, my bad. One afternoon, I was taking a nap in between, like, class and practice or whatever. I fell asleep on the couch in my apartment. And I had a dream. Um, and in my dream was my dad. Um, and I had kind of been like, I wouldn't say praying because I'm not much of a prayer. Um, but just like, like I needed something to help me like kind of move on or not even move on, but like kind of like breathe. Um, God, here I am choking up. (laughs) Um, and I had a dream and, um, in the dream, my dad and I, I don't even remember what we were doing. I don't know. But all I can remember is like he was sitting there and we were talking. And um, he looked me dead in my eyes and he was like, you're doing great. You're good enough. And um, I'm like, you'll be okay. Like, you're strong. And I woke up in tears and like, I don't know if you could tell. But obviously, I'm crying right now. Um, but I woke up in tears because I, I, again, I think I get haunted in my dreams and they kind of freak me out. But like, I felt like I could breathe. Like, this kind of like sense of calmness came over me. And it was like something, like a, a switch flipped. And I felt like, like I was okay. Like I could do it. And so, um, that week we played UNCG as a midweek game and my name was called as a starter. Um, and I actually got my first hit. I hit a triple my first at bat. Um, and from then on, like if you followed the season, you knew like that, that was that like from then on I played and I, I felt normal again on the field. Like I felt like myself again. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I did it. Like I figured it out. Um, and then like by the end of season, I was doing really well. We were in ACCs and we didn't get very far, but that's okay. Um, I came home for summer and then things took another turn. So when I got home for summer, things were actually good. Um, you know, spending time with my brothers, I was working out was babysitting like things were going good then we got a call um that my uh one of my family members was really sick and they were being rushed to the hospital and like basically turned our whole world upside down um they are dealing with a very severe illness i'm gonna be kind of vague on this part and that's only because i know that this person wouldn't want me to share like who they are necessarily (laughs) Um, they're a very private person. And so, uh, yeah, so basically, um, getting rushed to the hospital and things were crazy, but I knew that I still had this like hole that I needed to fill. Like there was something that I needed to close. And that was like, I needed closure from my dad, basically. Like, I, I don't want to say that I needed to like forget him or anything. Cause that's definitely not what happened, but I needed to find a way to be able to like move on. 
And so I reached out to his wife um, and asked her, like, I know there are things that are family heirlooms and there are things that my dad had um, and I would like to get them. And so I I did. <laughs> I asked her, I was like, um, can we meet up? So we met up and exchanged things and I got all my dad's stuff and went through it all. Um, so now I have it. And I think like the biggest thing for me is that like, it'll never be closed. Like, I'll never have full closure from it because I can never get the answers I need. Like, perfect example. So I went um, and visited my dad's gravesite before I came back to school. And I didn't know what to say because, again, it's been however many years since I've even talked to him. So, like, what do you say to somebody you've never you haven't talked to in a while, but also like, what do you say to somebody that the only thing you want, like, what do you say to somebody who can't respond to you when the only thing you want is to ask them questions, right? And so I literally stood at his gravesite and just looked at the thing and cried for like 20 minutes. Like I literally looked at it, cracked a few jokes because that's kind of how I work. Like I'm very much like I'm going to make jokes in uncomfortable situations because that's my coping mechanism. So I made a few jokes um, and my mom, like it was like 20, 30 minutes maybe. And she was like, so are you ready? Like, um, do you have anything you want to say? And I, I, I kid you not, like, I'm going to be honest with you. I literally looked at the, the headstone and I said, I'm sorry I didn't bring you flowers. Please don't haunt me and I will bring you flowers for Christmas. Like literally, that's what I said. I, I literally asked my own dad not to haunt me. And I think the reason why, like, yeah, I know it's kind of funny and it's kind of a joke, but like, I honestly, like, I'm terrified of, well, one, I'm terrified of being haunted. That's like a very real fear of mine. But like he, every time I have a dream about him or like something happens, like any time, like something in my life ties back to Rich Pierce, it freaks me out. And I go into this like very anxious state and it like my heart beats fast and like it because I just I I'm kind of still scared of him, honestly. Like I never got over that like intimidation factor. Now it's a little less because I know that like he can't hurt me anymore. And that has to be one of the most freeing things in the world is like he can't do any more damage than what's already been done and like obviously I have to work through the damage that's been done and the trauma that's come from that relationship but like he can't add on to it anymore and it's all in my hands and he only has as much power as I let him have and so like I think like the biggest thing I take away from like my first year of college is that one, don't be afraid to ask for help because anybody that knew me in that first year and all my teammates can vouch for me saying like I needed help and I needed someone to talk to. And I did. I went to sports psych for a few months and talked out some things and figured some things out. But it's like it's okay to like not be okay. also. Like I have a hard time falling short and I have a hard time coping with the fact that like I'm not always 
good enough for something. And I don't even think that's the right word because like, it's not that I lack the talent or lack the ability, but like, it's okay to not always perform, even though you know you can. Like, I don't know. I, I just think that that first, like my first year couldn't have had more ups and downs. And one of the most craziest things I ever, like I never thought I would get a call saying that my dad had passed away. Like I really didn't. As much as I didn't think about him, like I, I wanted to eventually be able to talk things out. Like I didn't, I don't ever think I thought we would reconcile and I don't ever think we would have a relationship like that. But at least I thought I would get closure. And like, I'll be honest, the lack of closure is what eats away at me most of the time. But I'm working on it and I'm trying to figure it out and I'm learning how to deal with things and I'm identifying triggers and even, oh my gosh, even like the smallest things like um, I, I freak out when my gas gets below like 40 miles left. And I didn't really understand why. Like, it's always been something that's kind of freaked me out. I've never let my gas get below like a quarter of a tank because it's like, I think like I'm going to break down on the side of the road. Um, and then I remembered that um, growing up, my dad ran out of gas all the time. And then like didn't ever take the blame for it. Like we literally would be stranded on the side of the road out of gas. And he never thought it was his fault. And would like scream and yell and get mad. And I'm like, like, I can't even, I can't, I don't know how to work a gas pump. I can't drive. I can't get gas. But it was like, it was never Rich Pierce's fault. And so like, again, that being, falling short wasn't his fault either. Like he was always better than you. And so I think, like, for me, being able to learn, like, these triggers and these things about myself has really helped me kind of, like, start to move on and start to move past things. But it's still really hard. Like, I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect at it. I'm not saying I'm great at it. But I'm getting there. And I only hope that, like, by listening to this episode, you can understand, like, one, understand more about me, obviously, and understand how sometimes why I am very, like, cutthroat or very, like, hardcore, brutally honest or whatever it is. Like, I, I get a lot of those a lot that's, like, like, I don't take, I don't, I don't like when things aren't good enough or things, and it's not really my fault all the time. Like, I really don't mean to be that way. That's just what's been ingrained in my brain for so many years. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here because I think, one, that was a lot of talking. Um, but also, I think like it's important to know just like that it's okay to have hard times and it's okay to cry and it's okay to like not, not perform. Like that's okay. And it's okay to have bad days. And... I think one of the best things I heard in my first year at college was like, you're not a robot. Tears don't make you rust. And it's okay to have emotions. And I'm obviously still working on that. But I hope that maybe we can work on it together.
So I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Um, Again, I really appreciate all the support. And I just want to reiterate that, like, this is my story and my truth. And I understand that some people have a different truth than that. And that's okay. But please don't think that I'm just bashing Rich Pierce. Because he did do some good things in my life. And he did have some positive impacts. But the majority of the time, he was a scary man for me. (laughs) So I just hope that, like, may he rest in peace. But also... Like, please be respectful of my truth and everybody's truth. And I hope that for you, he was a positive impact because for me, he was just impactful. (laughs) But anyways, thank you for listening. If you stuck around this long, um, hopefully I will get episode three out quicker than I got episode two out. Um, Love you all. And signing off, this is More Than Kiwi.